0: All right, it's so good to be with you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching online. Thanks for uh, being over at Montrose. Good to see you from here. Woot, woot. Uh, I love that. That's a Montrose regular right there. That's super awesome. Uh, But uh, it is uh, great to be with you this weekend. We're going to have a conversation about how do I relate to God. But before I do that, just a couple of quick things I want to remind us about. Number one, uh, Jeff, our senior pastor, uh, is on sabbatical right now. And so be praying for him, uh, our leadership, our elders. Uh, afford that every so many years uh, to refresh and reconnect and and be ready to go. So he's doing that right now. be praying for him. And then also, um, as we talk about all the different things uh, that we could be doing for Jesus, with Jesus, to grow in Jesus, especially those of us that might be newer to grace, uh, we always want to make sure that you're aware of this tool that we use called Discovery Group. Uh, It's a great way to get to know uh, some of the leadership here at Great, some of the pastors, Uh, Get to know why we do what we do, uh, how we do it, and really how to start really springboarding your way into not only growing in your faith with Christ, but growing together as we help each other in that same journey. So even if you're watching online, if you're able, it's going to be a great way to come in and meet some folks uh, and do that. And so uh, we would love to see that happen. But that starts up. There's a three-week express version of Discovery Group starting next Saturday. So Saturday nights, we'll feed you dinner. It's going to be great Uh, and you get to the springboard that as you head into the fall. So make sure you look at that. All right. Well, last, uh, last week, we started a conversation about how do I relate to God and how foundational that is, because really, no matter where we're at, maybe we've been following Jesus for a while, or maybe we're just checking things out for one of the first times that so much of our faith journey is us continually asking this question. How do I relate to God? How do I get to know him more? How can I have a deeper relationship with him? How can I experience more and more of who God is in my life? And we're asking a version of that wherever we happen to be. And so uh, as we start to ask the weird questions, right? Like, does God hear my prayers? Uh, Is he the one that, you know, As that person just happened to back out at the right time? Did God give me that parking spot? Like, was that God? Did he answer my parking prayers? Like, how, how does that fit in? Is that really him? How does he fit into all the political mess, right, of our culture? Is he disappointed in me? Like, there's all these kinds of questions that we kind of swirl around. What does it mean to follow? God, right, and it makes it sometimes feel like a mystery, like we don't know for sure sometimes how this works, and it can feel difficult at times. And so we want to keep diving into how do we help each other relate to God more and more closely. And that's our hope for this series, that as we dive in more into Jesus's key teaching, that we can continue to uncover some of the ways in which we can walk alongside who Jesus is, that we can begin to experience God much more relationally, as opposed to going about things transactionally. And that's kind of the landing place that we had last week, that God is relational not transactional, right? He wants to have a relationship for you, with you. He's not just looking to make sure that if you scratch his back, he'll do the same, that if he, you do this, he'll do that. If he does this, you'll finally do that. Like, it's not that type of relationship, but that Jesus took care of any and all transactions like we just sang about. But instead, God now opens up, right, for us to have a relationship with him and draw us down a pathway with him. And that's amazing. So today... We're going to get into one of these uh, specific places that Jesus uh, shows us, hey, if we start to navigate our lives this way, we get to walk in step more closely, relationally with Jesus. And so he's going to talk a little bit about kind of an expectation of what it means for us if we're following Jesus or seeking after God, but also this concept of a reward, and what that actually is. And so uh, here's kind of where we're gonna head today then specifically, what is that reward that I'm hearing about? What is Jesus actually talking about there? And then we're gonna ask the question like, wait a minute, am I supposed to be like actually doing, and then maybe there's a fill in your individual blank to that. And. But what if I can't? And we're going to kind of dive into that mindset, if you're following me there. And then we're going to take a look at, like, who is this for anyways? Like, is this just for the super Christians, right? Is this just for the people that got their lives all together? Or wait, no, 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 no. This is just for the beginners. This is just a, a way to get the ball rolling. Like, who is this for, really? And then, of course, we're going to look at this fact that it's all about the treasure, right? And so we'll kind of dive into that a little bit as well. So We're going to keep cycling, or uh, excuse me, centering in on Jesus' key teaching. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount uh, for a while now. You can go back and listen to those series and even last week's conversation. We'll be in Matthew chapter six uh, this weekend. So if you want to open up there with me, that's where we'll find ourselves. If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, uh, we would love for you to have one. You can pick one up at the info desk on the way out. And even if you're watching online, uh, we would love to help get you one as well. But uh, you can have that Bible. Be reading in this teaching. It's a great place to start. Uh, but otherwise, you can follow along in the app. I even got some uh, preloaded notes in there for you as well. In Matthew chapter six, uh, Jesus kind of starts out with some exclamatory language watch out, like uh, getting our attention. This is important. Don't do your good deeds publicly, you know, so they can be admired by others. For you're going to lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, there's a lot in here, and as I kept reading through it, I felt like a lot of it felt a little touchy. Like, it seems like you're talking about money, Jesus. This feels a little close to the vest. It feels like you're talking about some expectations here. And I, whenever people have expectations for me, I start to feel a little defensive. And so if that might be where you kind of see yourself for a moment, I want you to bathe that in the trust of what we were able to cover last week, that this is all about how can we relate and connect with God This is not about making sure we're doing the right transactions for him, right? And so this is all Jesus setting up something on how can we connect with him. So let's actually stay right there at the very end of this passage where Jesus says, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, if you're like me and you hit certain circumstances, certain seasons, certain opportunities in your life, you don't always know what to do. You don't always know what to do, when to do, what to say. And sometimes it feels like, well, what in the world does Jesus even want me to accomplish today? And that might even be a thing you ask from time to time. You wake up and go, I don't know what God wants me to do today. And so you end up doing what you want to do that day. And that seems to be okay. And so you kind of keep going down that rhythm. But what if, what if God had some thoughts? What if there was something that we could do? that would draw us closer to him each and every day. I wanna tell you a little bit of a story. I, uh, I have a seven-year-old little girl and uh, by no means is she perfect. Um, she is the best child on the face of the planet though and I will argue to the death for that. Uh, but she really, does, she's just great. And this week, I think it was Tuesday morning, uh, she just kind of blew my mind a little bit and I think it might've been because God was trying to show me something for this weekend. Uh, but my daughter wakes up and, or I shouldn't say that, actually. It starts back before that. I'm getting up. I'm getting ready. I'm doing normal stuff in the morning. And then at the time that I normally go wake her up, I go up to her bedroom door, and like the light's on under the crack. And I'm like, oh, she's already up. That's abnormal. Okay, whatever. And so I go back to doing the things that I do to get ready. And just a few moments later, my daughter opens the door, and she comes out. And she's like, morning, Dad. She's dressed right? Like she's got her hair in a ponytail already. She's like, dad, I was already up reading this morning. Like that was really good. Then she walks right into the bathroom and brushes her teeth and finishes getting ready in there. And I'm just like, who moved in? You know, like this, this does not happen on a regular basis in the Caruso household. Like that's not a household. That's not the way this works. And then she goes right back into her room and she makes her bed Like, oh, okay, awesome. Like, she made her bed, comes out, goes downstairs, slips her converse on, ties them. She just learned how to tie her shoes last weekend. Like, maybe we're a little bit behind the eight ball, but slip-on shoes have been a miracle. And so she just learned how to tie her shoes last weekend. She sits down, she ties them up on her own, doesn't ask for help, perfect knots. I'm like, okay, like, what's going on here? She goes into the kitchen, grabs herself breakfast, sit down, grabs her iPad, starts reading something else. I'm like, are you looking at 80-year-old man reading the paper right now? Like, What? What is going on in my little kid's life, right? I, I'm not used to that type of activity from my little girl. But let me tell you something that happened the rest of that day Tuesday. About any chance I got, you better believe I told people about my little girl. You wouldn't believe how this morning went, and I told them the story. My wife leaves early for work, and then often is the one that picks her up from wherever she's at, and we kind of flip-flop that way. And so when we all find ourselves at home that night, I'm like, honey, Ainsley, this morning, like you wouldn't believe the way that she navigated the morning. I'm like bragging to her, and then like Mandy's running over her, like that's that's awesome, like that's so great, you know. And she's kind of praising her a little bit, and she wasn't doing it for anything, so she's even just kind of blown away at like my wife's, her mom's uh, response to that, and like all this has happened, and then it dawned on me because that night, as I'm hugging her, and I hug her every night, I kiss her to bed every night, I, I, I. I read her a story, I pray with her, but something about that night, I just remember giving her this like extra squeeze. I remember I just told her, I'm like, honey, I'm just so proud of you. And I laid her down the bed and, you know, to her, it might have felt like a semi-normal day. But for me, it wasn't. And then all of a sudden, it kind of dawned on me that her father who saw all this happen in secret, rewarded her. Y'all didn't know about that this week. My, my, my wife didn't even know about that this week until someone sang her praises. Now this all would have been blown up if she would have walked out of her bedroom in the morning and go, hey dad, I'm already dressed. I even made my bed. How about we pay up that allowance a little bit early? It'd have been very different if she'd have went over to Grandma's that morning and said, Grandma, I'm pretty much the best kid ever. Got ready, made my bed, did everything myself. Pretty sure my mother-in-law would have been like, yes, yeah, so what? That's pretty human of you. Nice job. You know, like, just like, what a... I'm pretty sure some of you might even be thinking, like, my kid was doing that at five. You know, some of you are like, don't all kids learn how to do this? Like, because nothing that I listed is really that much like a rocket science. I mean, like, maybe making your bed all the time, but like, other than that, it's like, I hope you brush your teeth every day. (laughs) You know, like we're all glad you got dressed. Like So it's just like, these are normal things. But she could have ruined it if she all of a sudden would have been super, hey, check, check me out. But you see, she didn't do that. And you might say, well, isn't that just normal stuff? That's not really something to be proud about, Joe. But see, here's the deal. I know my daughter's story. I know what her habits have been. I know what she's been taught. I know what she was doing last week. I know what she wasn't doing last week. I know what she couldn't do last week. And so when I watch her take these steps, join into this normal household stuff or whatever you want to call it, like I start to beam with pride. I'm like, wow, my little girl, she's really catching on to some of this stuff. And we don't harp on that. We don't run a militant household or anything like that. But still, it's just a win. Like you got ready and I had to remind you eight times. Like, I was proud of her. Her father that saw everything she was doing in secret was able to reward you. And so God sometimes asks us to do stuff. And it's not always the like, hey, you down there, do this. But like, we'll feel these nudges. I should probably go talk to that person. I woke up early, maybe I should, and then a name pops into your brain, like maybe I should pray for that person. Maybe this is that morning that God's trying to reinvigorate some time that I spend in the Bible, that I spend some time with his word. You find yourself at a place and you feel that nudge to slow down and open the door for the person that's hands are full and they're gonna be behind you. a few seconds. Like just slow down, smile, talk to him, welcome him in the door. Like we feel these nudges, We're feeling invited into something and we don't have to go shout it from the rooftops if we did it. You know what I did today? I held the door open for someone. Pretty sure you'd get a lot of eyes rolled at you. But your father, who saw what you did in secret, who knows what life has been like lately, who knows what you've been going through, who knows where you were last week, who knows what he's been trying to teach you, who knows these things. Your father who sees you in secret and you join into the things that he's been showing you will reward you. And see, my daughter's reward wasn't an advance on her allowance. My daughter's reward wasn't the new Lego set she's been eyeing. I'm not even sure my daughter understood what the reward was in the moment, but what her reward was is she felt a little bit closer to her mom and dad that day. It's connection. It's relationship. Because your father, who sees everything in secret, will reward you when you do the things he's nudging you to do. You're actually gonna find yourself to be more relationally connected to the creator of the universe, to our Savior. Then Jesus uses this other language in this passage, and he says, when you give to someone in need, and I have like a love-hate relationship with this passage, with this, this, this language specifically, specifically this word, when. Isn't that supposed to say if? Because sometimes I look back at seasons of my life, and it sure feels a lot more like an if. I'm not always thinking, how can I help other people? How can I give to those in need? I'm I'm not. And so I wish that said if, because then, but it's almost like there's a little bit of an expectation here. Almost like, because remember, this is relational, not transactional. It's almost like what God is saying, hey, as you get closer to me, as we get to know each other better, as we start to walk through life together as you come down this pathway this journey that i've been beckoning you down the more and more time you spend to me with me you're going to become a lot more like me which means that it's going to become true of your life that when you give to those in need see when we walk with jesus his identity his characteristics start to infuse into ours. And so the closer we are to him, the more that we're connecting with him, the more that when he sees what we do in secret, he rewards us and helps us to feel like we're actually sensing God's presence in our life, being close to him. Then when you give to someone in need, it becomes a no brainer. That we're gonna look for the ways that we should be stepping into those things. So what on earth then gets in the way? What gets in my way? And I was wrestling through this this week. I'm like, I'm sure it's this or it's the barriers or it's the fact that other people, they just don't. But I'll be honest, the more and more I kept asking that question, you know what gets in the way every stinking time? I do. Because it's amazing how when I start thinking, when I think about the word give, I think about my time, I think about my resources, I think about my focus. And when I also think about those three things, I always think about it this way, they're mine. It's my time, my money, my focus. And so I'm very opinionated about my stuff. And every time that I've had an opportunity to do something that I feel like God might be nudging to and I haven't, the only thing that I can really point that back at is me. Sometimes I try to blame it on another person. I'm like, I can't trust them. I don't know what they're going to do with my time. I don't know what they're going to do with my money. I don't know what they're going to do with my, I'm not sure that's what God asked me to do was manage what they're going to do with my stuff. I think God's just nudging me and saying, hey, I'm trying to invite you into something here that I like to do. How about we give? How about we help? How about we, sometimes I just want what I want. No, Jesus, I'd rather be in a hurry today. I don't have time to slow down and talk to that person. I don't want to have a cup with that person. They annoy me. I don't want to serve. I'm trying to catch up on my Netflix series. And if I, don't, if I, if I serve, then I've got to do my responsibilities at night. And if I do my responsibilities at night, I can't watch the TV I want to watch. And if I can't watch the TV I want to watch, then I'm either just going to go to bed without watching it. And that's terrible. And I, no, I'm not going to do it because whatever is messing with us. Or we start to just think about like, no, God, you see, I'll I'll do this when I can, when when my circumstances are better, when life's not so crazy. Well, when I start making some more money, I'll be able to give because then I'll have what I need to give. When my head just feels it gets more on straight, well, then I'll give people some time and attention because then I kind of got my ducks in a row. But What's amazing about those arguments, because again, it's me who gets in the way, what's amazing about those arguments is it's never a good time. Most of us at some point in time in our lives have made more money than another point in time in our lives. And at this point in time of our lives, we thought for sure that we would do more good when we were at this point in our life. And yet when we were at this point in time in our life, we realized we're not necessarily always doing more good. We were just really good at having more of my stuff. And suddenly we find ourselves almost just as strapped as we were before, even though we have more. But then we keep telling ourselves, well, when I have more, I'll give more. But that's not how it works. Or at time, I don't know, Joe, like school is just, I'm swamped. I got these deadlines. I'm trying to get my college applications in. I'm trying to get this stuff down. And if I don't volunteer here, I can't put that down here. And I'm trying to do this. And I'm trying to work a little bit because stuff's tight at home. And I'm trying to figure this out. And I got to make sure I got some spending money and I got this and I just don't know. And then you get to college and you're like, finally, freedom. But then you realize you have a choice of two out of three things. It's like some version of a social life, some version of grace, some version of sleep, pick two. And nowhere in there was the invitation that God's actually saying, follow me to something that's much more life-giving. And we're trying to, we just feel out of our minds busy. And then we're like, well, when I get out of school, when when I'm out of that crazy study mode and I get a job, then I'll be able to do the things that I know God is nudging me to do. And so you get a job and then you realize like, oh my goodness, responsibility just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm actually responsible now to stay under this roof. I'm actually responsible now to potentially support this person. I have to make sure that I have all these ducks in a row. And so now you're working, working, working. And you're like, well, if I work a little bit more, my boss will see me and then I get that promotion and then I'll have the money and the time. So just hang on on just a second because I'm going to do that. And then we do that, and then some of us like we meet someone, you're like, well, now I gotta give them attention because I think this might be the one. And you're like, I gotta like give them the attention, I gotta spend time with them, right? And so once we kind of get settled in, and I mean, have you ever planned a wedding? Like, we gotta get like through this wedding season, right? So it's just nuts. But we'll plan the wedding, and then you're like, I just got married to this person and I dated them, and now I'm married to them. They're different. And so you're trying to figure out all of that stuff, right? And marriage, and you're trying to work out all those details, like, well, when this settles down, we'll and then you have a kid, and kids make everything easy. (laughs) It's like when the kids are like out of that like toddler age and they're not just going nuts, right? You're like, well then we'll be able to, but then the school wants you to do the PTA and then you gotta do the thing and then life's getting expensive. And so you get that side hustle going, right? Cause you got to make sure that you're doing that. And then you got this going on. And like as soon as that settles down, as soon as the kids are in college, we'll be good because we'll be empty nesters. But then you're like, did you know college is expensive? And so now you're like getting the extra shifts to make sure that happens and then you're like, well then and then they get married and like with the grandkids I got to spend time with the grandkids. They're the best thing in the whole world. I'm not even arguing against that but you're like they're the best and I got to do that and then finally you find yourself at 91 years old like I think I have time (laughs) to go to the funeral home and (laughs) when God is nudging us to do the good deed when God is nudging us and saying when you give generosity is in the heart Not our circumstances. It is in our heart, because the people that do the things that you might know, are like they always seem to have the time. I I've watched them. I know they're generous. He's got to make. She's got to make more money than, because they don't live in the house or the. I always would have assumed that. They're they're much more like. us (laughs) than we give them credit for. They're busy. They got tons of stuff going on. Life's barreling down on them. The recession's hitting them. Inflation's hitting them. But generosity is not about our circumstances. It's about the heart. Some of the most generous people I know don't make anything. Some of the most incredible Volunteers, servants, mentors—people that engage other people on a regular basis outside of their natural pathway. Some of the most amazing are some of the busiest people I've ever met. Generosity is in the heart. When Jesus calls us to walk with Him, and we're more connected with Him, He helps shake that stuff out. I know life's nuts. I know you don't have what you thought you'd have by now. I know. Th- I know. Come here, let me show you something. Jesus really wants us to help do these things. And I gotta be honest, this is one of the reasons why it's such a big deal for us here at Grace to make sure that we're always talking about this stuff. At Grace, we actually purposefully partner, like we super value ministry partnerships so that we can continue to be about doing this even together as a group. And so we support all kinds of missionaries, all kinds of workers, all kinds of organizations all around our community, all around the world. This is a sampling. And I'm not putting this up here so that you can gather all the information and suck it all in real quick. I'm just trying to show you that like this stuff exists. The avenues exist. The opportunities are right there for God to give us a way to get into our hearts and say, this is whom you can be generous with. This is where you can do your good deeds. These are the pathways that are open to all of us. And we can get behind some different people and maybe there is a facet of our life that we can't fully devote to, but someone else we know can. And so we rally with them and we partner with them and we do these things and we're involved so that when we do good deeds, when we give to those who are in need. Some crazy, great things can happen. I want to challenge all of us, and this is like bolded and highlighted in my personal notes, that we have more capacity than we think. Are we willing to trust God when he nudges us to serve, to engage, to give in the way that he calls us to? Well, then Jesus uses some different language and he says don't do your good deeds publicly but instead give your gifts in private now why would Jesus who's trying to help us understand how to relate to God lay into this idea of giving being private and not public for those of you that have been around the faith a little bit I want to kind of quiz you for a second what's the number one thing that Jesus asked of us he said this way what's the greatest commandment is to love God with everything we've got and to love others the way that we wish to be treated. And there's not a third. We wish there was a third, and then we would he would have reordered them. The third we wished was there was make sure you love yourself. <laughs> we want to do things for us. But you see what Jesus is getting across here. If loving God and loving others is the most important, the most life-giving thing that we could do. And then he says, make sure you give and do your good deeds privately. What he's really getting at is that giving, the whole concept of it, is not for us. But if I give that money, if I spend that time, if I give this person attention, do you know how that's gonna derail my calendar, my finances, my plans? I think Jesus would nicely and gently push back a little bit and say, I didn't say this was about your plans, your stuff, your schedule. I want you to love me and love them. Have you ever slowed down to think how hard it is to not do something selfishly? Like how hard it is not to step into a scenario and wish that that person would give you a super hard, you ever like help someone and they, you can tell they kind of appreciate it but they don't respond nearly as strongly as you wish they would. You know like, hey thanks a lot for your help man, appreciate it and you're like, I was expecting like dinner. I was expecting you to like write me this big thank you note or big thank you card, but they don't do that. And somehow that messes with us as if the whole point of being generous was somehow for us. And some of us were like wounded to the point that we don't want to be generous again because they didn't give us enough attention when we did it last time. I mean, like, do we hear that? <laughs> Well, they just weren't appreciative enough. When was that a part of the equation? Maybe their life is that nuts. Maybe they're in that much need. Maybe life is that crazy that they can barely see a half step in front of them at a time. And the reward is not their gratitude anyway. The reward is not the, the, the attaboys anyway. Anyway. The reward is relational. It's the connection with our Father who sees everything. It's so hard not to do things selfishly. And so when Jesus then challenges the world, make sure the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, as we read in this passage. Does that mean like for real, we're never supposed to let anybody know we did anything good? The focus is not the secrecy. The focus is the motive. Why are you doing this? If I'm helping out that person, if I'm helping out that organization, if I'm helping out my church, if I'm helping out my neighbor, are we doing it to actually help them? Are we doing it because we hope that we get a little bit more elevated as being seen as someone that shows up and helps? You see, the reason that Jesus emphasizes this privacy is because giving actually connects us. The giving is not meant to build up your name. Giving is meant to connect him with him. You see, it's all about connection. And one of the key ways that we can connect with anyone is to do something with them that they value. So my wife loves to cook, and she's good at it, like real good. Like there are very few things that she makes that I don't think that's the best version of, and I'm not even being biased. It's that good. I hate cooking. (laughs) I hate it. And especially early on in our marriage when I didn't know a thing, and now I think I only know a couple of things, but when I didn't know a thing, I would avoid, like she'd start cooking, I'd be like, peace, you know, like, You do your thing that I can't stand. I'm really glad I married you because at least you got this covered. But then I realized something accidentally. And I just happened to be in the kitchen one night. We were talking through something, and I picked up a knife. And I knew she wanted these vegetables cut for whatever she was working on. I just started cutting vegetables as we were talking. And I wasn't thinking anything of it. And then another time, she's in the kitchen and we were just talking. And she's, I mean, you, some of you cook, you know, like you cook and all of a sudden these bowls are stacking up and the, the measuring cups are stacking up and the silverware is everywhere. And so I'm just like, well, I'll just get a head start on this while we're talking. And I start washing the bowls and loading the dishwasher and doing the thing while she's still making the whatever she's making. And I'm doing that and I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple of those things became pseudo habits. I don't want to give you the impression I do that all the time, but they became pseudo habits. It happens time and time again, right? And I started to notice, well, wouldn't <laughs> Holy smokes. Whenever I do the thing that she loves to do with her, it's almost like we're closer that night. It's almost like she wants to be around me. This is fascinating. (laughs) My daughter right now loves to be picked up. She's seven years old. I feel like she looks like a 10-year-old, but she's like, daddy, hold me all the time. And so as much as I can physically muster, I pick her up and hold her and carry her places. I'm sure those of you that have kids, or maybe you've never done this, but like, she like pretends to fall asleep in the car at night, so I, daddy has to carry me in the house. And she's like snickering as it happens, like, I know you're not awake or asleep. But she just wants me to carry her. I pick her up and stretch my back a little bit, you know, and she lays her head on my shoulder, and every once in a while, she'll even just whisper to me, like, dad, you're the best. I'll do what that girl values because I want to connect with her. One of my good friends loves movies, but we're busy. So we go to the movies at like 10 p.m. Some of you just like threw up in your mouth a little bit, like 10 p.m. to start a movie. And then we get in the parking lot, like between 12 and one after the movie's over and we'll talk for like an hour or so. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that the two of us are great friends because we do something that the other person values. You see, God is a giver. And in a very quick search, I found a few, James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously. James 1, 17, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Jesus in John chapter 14, my peace I give to you. Ephesians 4, grace that was given. According to the measure of Christ. Some of you know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. That was a fast, easy Google search. Is God a giver? I didn't have to pour into that for hours. It was just boom, right there. So many more verses. God's a giver. And like my wife with cooking or my daughter with holding her or my buddy in movies, one of the things that God invites us in to do with him so that we can grow closer to him is to be a giver. I can imagine, I can imagine like waking up and trying to have this reel of a conversation with God, which we can, by the way, but just kind of asking like, hey God, what are you up to today? And him responding with something like, I have so many good things to do today. I'm like, you want help? Oh yeah, let's get on. Like, what if, what if we woke up and we asked that question? God, what do you have for me today? Who do you want me to interact with today? Who do you want me to be generous? How do you want me to navigate this thing called life? Because we'll fill that sucker back in no problem and we'll do what we want to do and we'll spend money the way we want to spend and we'll fill in our time the way we want to. We're good at that. What if we woke up and said, God, what are you up to? And he invited us in. And that person that you saw as you walked into the office that usually annoys the snot out of you, you suddenly felt God say, actually, I want you to knock the snot, the the (laughs) snot, peach and spediment. Uh, Some of you caught it, some of you didn't. It's fine. Okay, but I want you to knock the socks off of that person. And whatever the the gaps are, Jesus is inviting us into something that is life-giving, that is connecting with our Father who sees what we do even in private and will reward us with a deeper and fresher connection with him than maybe we've ever had before. He's inviting us in. And what's crazy is Jesus wants to make sure he hammers this home. And so later in this very passage in chapter 6, he says, so don't store up treasures here on earth. Moths eat them and destroy them. Thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. There your desires will be. But God, this is my time. This is my stuff. This is my money. This is my focus. This is my life. Don't store up your treasures here. Let me show you something way better. Imagine standing before God at the end of your life, your father, the one who wants to connect with you, the one that you were asking, how do I relate more to you? And you spend time with him and you talk with him, you give with him, you share with him. But instead of telling you something fun, he has to use words like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you received your reward in full. Like you, you did some fine stuff, but your, the interest that you earned for the things that you did, it's already paid for and done. When instead we could hear something like, thanks for joining me on this ride. Thank you that instead of storing up treasures and attaboys on this earth, You invested into what's eternal. Your generosity, it really spoke to those people that were in need. Your your investment and your consistency moved my kingdom forward. And, And maybe most importantly, hasn't it been fun that we've been able to be this close? And now you're so excited to spend eternity here with me. Well done. Well done. You see, it's not... It's not transactional, it's relational. God is bringing us into this connection. And if we think about it, isn't that how we feel when we lose a loved one? We don't want them to pay for dinner one more time, we just want more time. We don't even necessarily want them to tell one of their funny jokes that always gets us laughing. We just want to talk with them, we just want to hear their voice. It's always about the connection. Jesus wants to align the deepest portions of your heart with wherever your treasure is being placed. Now, some of you, my guess is you're thinking, Joe, this feels a little scary. If he's gonna be calling me down pathways I wasn't thinking about going down, if he's gonna be calling to spend my time and my money and my focus on things that I wasn't necessarily thinking about, Like, I don't know what hills are coming. I don't know what valleys are coming. I don't know how that's going to shake out. And that makes me nervous. And yet you sense that your heavenly father is beckoning you down some type of pathway that way. I remember uh, when I had the chance to take my daughter on her first roller coaster. And from afar, she's like, that looks so awesome. Yeah, let's ride it. But as we wove through the line... Her face was getting more and more nervous. You could just see it set in like, that's okay. Her four-year-old hand is becoming a vice grip on mine. You know, she's just like, and as we get into the roller coaster car, something popped into my head, and I just told her, I said, hey, honey, this ride is going to be fast, and it's going to be bumpy, just the way we like it. She had an intrigued smile. Okay. We ride the coaster, we come back to that uncannily hard stop. You know, it's like the worst part of a roller coaster is the at the end, right? But we get to the end and I look at her and she's just grinning from ear to ear. And I say, honey, what'd you think? And verbatim, dad, that was fast and that was bumpy, just the way we like it. I mean, check out this smile. How do you not just melt for that little kid, right? Like that's on that roller coaster, right? She was so excited, fast and bumpy, just the way we like it. And what God is inviting you into is something that might be a little bit faster than you would have planned. It's probably gonna be a lot bumpier than you would mark out. But what he's inviting you into is a, supernatural version of this picture where your heavenly father who sees what you do in private rewards you and you're smiling together. You're like, God, that was way faster than I thought. And I don't have what I thought I would have to show for it at this age. And it was way bumpier than I thought. That was harder. That was more intense. That was more challenging That was not at all what I would have planned. And at the end of it all, you get it, you get it. And you're like, God, that was fast and that was bumpy. It's just the way we like it. Man, Jesus is calling us to wonder, to life, to connection to be with him. He is such a relational God. He just wants to be the best father you could ever, ever imagine. And the more that we show up and say, yes, Jesus, I'll just, how about I just do this with you? The more and the more, day by day, we get to experience that. That's how we relate to God. That's how we get more and more connected with him so yes maybe sometimes we have to remind ourselves that giving wasn't for us anyway and yes sometimes we have to get on the coaster of life before we're ready and yes sometimes we just have to do the thing that we know we're supposed to do trusting what god is going to do with it as we continue to do it and it's worth it every stinking time So the band's going to come out and they're going to set some time for us and maybe this is a moment. Maybe this is a moment where you can kind of look him spiritually in the eye and say, if you want me to go fast and bumpy, if you want me to respond to these nudges, I know you're placing in me. If you want me to respond to you, Jesus I'm in and maybe here together in this moment wherever we're at we can just lock into our heavenly father because he sees where you're at and where you've been and where you've come and he sees your tomorrow so let's hold his hand however tightly we need to and see what he does and we're going to be more connected will you pray with me Father God, thank you so much um, for your invitation. Lord, some of us, maybe most of us, have experienced something where you've just gotten a hold of our heart and we can't shake it, we can't explain it, but you've been there, you've, you do that so well. You could probably do that in some people in our lives better than we can. But you, you, you invite us to be a part of it. You invite us to connect with you over it. You invite us to experience the wonder and the joy of doing the good with you, of giving with you, of spending our focus and energy on that thing with you. You invite us to life with you. And I pray that in these moments where we just give our hearts to you, Jesus, I pray that we would begin to experience you more and more and more. Thank you for calling us out on this. Thank you for helping us to see this. And it's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.